0: hello everybody it's a new week and that means it's time for a new htxt africard in the studio with me today is charlie for good afternoon and brendan lots good afternoon uh, today we have a, quite a strange mix of talk topics and actually an interview It's quite special for today. Uh, we're going to be talking about Discovery Health, we're going to be talking about MTN, we're going to be talking about uh, cybersecurity and lots of very complicated
1: things that we can hopefully simplify for you. Yep. But first, a word from our sponsors. This weekly edition of the podcast is brought to you by Samsung. Completely redefine your viewing experience with a beautiful curved SUHD TV. For more information, go to samsung.com. Sweet. That's it? it. I'm done. <laughs> back to the studio. Yes.
0: yeah. Back to the <laughs> oh, studio. I stole your line. line. On that bombshell and all that. Okay. <laughs> Mr. Brendan Lots. Yes. Cybersecurity. Uh, there's always news from overseas, but now we have something going on in South Africa. Uh, inform us. Enlighten us.
1: Okay. So to give people a very quick and brief understanding of what's happening at the moment is a forensic ex- expert who I am a forensic scientist, not expert. He's a scientist. Let's call him that. Um, I'm not going to name his name here. It's in the article that I've written about this. Which we will link to at the bottom. Of course. Um, He came out and said that uh, instances where people have had their bank accounts compromised and had money lost um, is caused by uh, what he believes is a... Collusion between employees at MTN and FNB, who are uh, colluding with each other somehow to to compromise people's accounts. So, uh, the, one of his clients, uh, uh, Jacqueline, Mrs. Jacqueline in Cape Town, who's an audiologist, uh, she had around two hundred thousand rand uh, taken from her accounts in December. And she she went to an MTN branch and they weren't able to pick up that a SIM swap had occurred, and what it basically happened is that there was a SIM swap and her one time pins were compromised. If you don't know what a one time pin is, if you bank with FNB and most other banks these days, uh, when you do a once off transaction, you usually you usually get given a once off pin or one-time PIN, uh, which you put in and then it authorizes the the tra- the transfer of the money so that it's a little bit safer. Yeah, it's a second-fact authentication. Exactly. It's yeah. just a, a fancy way of saying 2 factor authentication. Anyway, so uh, <clears throat> she found that there had been a SIM swap or she thought that there was a SIM swap and MTN has confirmed that there was a SIM swap. But, and this is a big but, MTN has told us that Nobody from, as far as they are aware, nobody from within f was acting of their own accord mm. and, uh, and swapping the sims without input from a customer. I put this in inverted commas, in quotation marks, customer, or somebody parading to be a customer. So basically, um, earlier this year, I wrote a story about a piece of malware called MazarBot, Um, And Mazarbot, if you're not aware, is a piece of malware that's basically, once downloaded, gives people unfettered access to your, your smartphone. And that kind of gave me, made me think a little bit harder about this whole situation. Made me go, is it really an inside job? So, what I did this morning is like, or yesterday rather, is I went and found a couple of security experts from Kaspersky. Um, I spoke to a guy, uh, Manuel Corregidor from Wolfpack Risk uh, Assessment. And uh, I think that was, there was one more person who I'm losing now at the moment. Oh, and I spoke to MTM themselves. Okay. To find out more information about what is happening. And all. All of the experts I've spoken to have said that it could have been an inside job, but it also could have been an outside job, as it were, where uh, some number is compromised through social engineering or phishing or something like that. So, d- sorry, just if,
0: if no one's uh, familiar with those terms, basically people get your information from you by pretending to be your bank or your service provider, somebody who would need that information,
1: but you should not be giving them. Exactly. Or what could be happening is that these attackers, the cyber criminals, uh, are just trawling the internet looking for your information because uh, some of the security questions that banks ask aren't really, I'm not going to say that they aren't secure. Like every bank has their own security questions and their own pro- protocols when trying to verify that a customer is a customer. Um But those can be overturned. And there is a video in the article about how uh, a woman is able to gain access to somebody's account just by playing a screaming baby and having a nice nice tone in the oh, voice yeah. and just speaking and saying, oh, I can't get hold of this. I can't get hold of this. Oh, the baby's crying. I, I, I really need to get this sorted. I really need to get this sorted today. And eventually the person just goes, okay, cool. I'll give you access. I'll do, I'll sort this yeah, out for you.
0: It's not always, also, it's not always the uh, the fault of the businesses. Sometimes they look like, really strict, uh, but instead the actual customers, they just give away their information
1: far too freely. Exactly. Really.
0: When someone calls them
1: up, they'll believe whoever they say they are and give them information. And, and this is where... Where our story comes in is that the the forensic scientists said that there is there's no way that it was a phishing attack, and I think that that was a little bit reckless, in my opinion, because to dis- to say that it's impossible for a cyber criminal to gain access to information uh, that they can get through brute force attacks, through social engineering, by just trawling the web. I mean that that's a very dangerous thing to do because it lures people into a false sense of security, and then people aren't really paying attention to what information they're sharing, and yeah, you get a situation like this. And I think the the crux of it is there's an ongoing investigation
0: at the moment. That is correct. correct. Um, he's kind of saying what the
1: conclusion to it is before that has concluded. Or am I wrong in saying? That? No, no, you're not wrong in saying that. He's saying that he's discount. He's saying that there's no way it is a phishing attack. He's All quoted right, okay. as saying that. Um, uh, this is the direct quote from from the forensic uh, scientist. The evidence seems to show that there is nobody within the bank and with MTN who has access to these details. That there is somebody. Okay. Okay. So he does say that there is somebody. Um, uh, another quote of his that is being thrown around: the two companies involved would love you to believe that this is phishing and that people are inadvertently giving out their bank details. That is not so. Now I know I've been I have been hacked. I have had my credit card cloned online and somebody try to make uh, try to make payments, and it's embarrassing it is kind of embarrassing because you feel a bit stupid and I think the problem is that people are too afraid of looking stupid to admit that they've gone and done something by mistake and it all it can happen to anybody oh, yeah. you know you can click a link that you think is from your bank and it isn't and like it happens but when that happens don't just try and cover it up yeah. own up and say hi listen f and I, I clicked a link that I don't think I should have downloaded I should, should have clicked can you help me out yeah. You know, rather than immediately going on the defensive and saying, "Oh, it's security systems and somebody yeah. inside the bank," that's not a very fair thing to do, just in my opinion. Yeah, and yeah,
0: you don't want to forget two things: that uh, never underestimate the ingenuity of thieves, and uh, y- your bank will almost always help you. Uh, they don't want to do that to their customers; they want to keep you as a customer exactly. So they, and
1: just come out to them try get help man and, and just as a general rule of thumb just be careful with what you share online and that goes for Facebook for Twitter whatever it is giving people a way to find you is a very dangerous precedent to start setting for yourself and uh it's just—it's better if you just make sure that you are as secure as you can be online. Download an antivirus for your or security system for your your smartphone. That is essential these days when smartphones are about as powerful as your laptop, and soon to become our laptops. Um, so it's it's imperative that people are aware of the dangers and protect themselves against it. Yeah. If anything, with
0: this case, it's just a lesson to everybody else, sir. It could happen to you. <laughs> it most probably
1: will happen to you at some point yep. in some form. Uh, so just be careful. Yes. That's, that, that, that's really that's really all that we wanted to get across with this yeah. is that just because it looks like an inside job doesn't mean that it is an inside yeah. job. And we're not saying that it's not an inside job. Let's just make that very yeah, clear. Again, the, the investigation is still ongoing. Exactly. We are just looking at it and going… Maybe it was a phishing scam. It yeah. could very easily have be been a phishing scam or a social engineering scam. It's, I don't think that it's a, at the right time to, to assume anything at this point yeah. in time.
0: Cool. We will have updates on that story. Uh, again, all, all the stories we mentioned are under the podcast. Uh, nice and clickable for you to go read. But now uh, you're actually going to leave us for a little bit because our editor-in-chief, Adam Oxford, actually has an interview for you to listen to. Uh, it is focused around startups, and after the break or the little cut that's coming up, uh, he will explain it and get into the
2: interview. Enjoy. We'll see you in a few minutes. I'm joined by uh, Jeffrey Mann, who's a vice president of research for Gartner, to talk about uh, an opportunity coming up for South African startups that I think I think is very exciting and everyone should be applying for. But um, I'm, I'm going to let Jeffrey introduce it himself, and um, then you can make your own roundup. Um, Jeffrey, welcome to South Africa. How are
3: you? Hi there. Thank you. Doing quite well.
2: Fantastic. And now you're, you're helping, you're, you're leading the organization of an event that is due to take place at the Gartner Symposium in September, and there's an opportunity coming up for South African startups to get involved.
3: Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, the Gartner Symposium is our yearly event, uh, which is held in various places around the world. Uh, Overall, we get around 25,000 people coming to events in the U.S., Australia, Japan, uh, Barcelona, Sao Paulo, various other other locations. And uh, this year, it's going to be in Cape Town, 26th through 28th of September. And one of the things that we did last year that was really quite successful, uh, we called the Aspiring Innovators Programme. It was really aimed at putting a spotlight and giving a bit of a platform for uh, uh, African startups that have products in the B2B space. Because the idea is that we want to give uh, exposure uh, to what is really one of the the best collections or one of the best meetings of uh, CIOs and senior IT people in Africa. Um, so it's the kind of thing that they potentially would be interested in buying. So that's why we don't do a lot of business to consumer kind of things. It is the kind of thing you know really we really like people to be able to. uh, match up and maybe sell some stuff.
2: Fantastic. And and when you say startups, I mean, what kind of companies are you looking for? Are you looking for people who've got an idea that they want to develop, or are you looking for established businesses who are going to go there with something they can sell?
3: Well, we're looking for very early stage. You know, so we're saying that it's going to be less than I believe. I'm saying it from memory now. I believe fifty million rand. Um, so less than fifty employees. So we're looking for the very early stage. You know, that it is. You know, you know, you know, you know not that you've gone multinational yet, um, but also not beyond an idea. You know, so uh, this isn't really to be looking for. A Investors. This is looking for customers. Uh, so the criteria say that you need to have a product in at least beta with at least two uh, actual companies, um, or in production, or, the, or, or you're selling it. So the, uh, yeah, so we do want it to be a you know early stage, but not but beyond the idea phase.
2: That's a, and, and just tell me a little bit about last year's event. I mean, what kind of companies did you see there? Who who really impressed you
3: um, at the event? Well, it was a, um, yeah, it really was quite a range. We saw a couple companies that were doing things around um, um, uh, internal, uh, uh, how employees can work. So Incentivize is one uh, that was looking uh, around ways of setting goals for employees. So it became a kind of a HR, but also a sort of a project management uh, 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 type system. Uh, build is a platform for building websites in a very in a very high tech way, or not just high tech, uh, but in a very, very easy way. Um, we also had products that were looking at around business intelligence so some easy kinds of reporting tools um, so yeah yeah also one that was doing around um, uh, uh, geographic information systems so m- different ways of being able to incorporate uh, maps and other kinds of graphics on- onto websites and, in- and into operations.
2: And, and do you know if any of them walked away with successful new contracts in, the, in their back pocket?
3: Well, I couldn't. Yeah, I haven't. Uh, I, I haven't spoken with all of them recently. But given the amount of attention that they had on the stand, um, you know, it's, certainly they were all very positive about it. Uh, just a word about how that works. What, the way uh, there basically there's two things uh, that are, that is provided. One is that you get uh, space on a stand at the IT Expo. It is sponsored by MTN Business, so we're grateful for their support. So they kind of uh, provide the capability so that we're able to give that spotlight and there also is a presentation uh which is given during the the main session so i uh, present that and we ask each of the inspiring innovators to create a two to three minute video where they introduce the company introduce the product and then i kind of uh, weave it together so that is one other criteria that we do expect people to be at the event Um, in principle it is open to anyone uh, to any company in africa practically we do find it is mostly south africa because it's easier for them to get to cape town
2: and, and in terms of companies who are selected to take part, I mean, do, do you cover travel expenses or anything like that for them? Uh,
3: afraid not. <laughs> no, not the travel expenses. That's why it is a, a bit of a burden we realize for people that, uh, in other parts of Africa. Uh, we do provide there is uh, all of the registration fees and the cost for participating in the event are, are waived, and also being able to have the stand. So there is uh, certainly quite a bit of value, but uh, but it doesn't go as far as uh, yeah, no, it, it doesn't go as far as travel and combination. <laughs>
2: And generally speaking, I mean, of the the how, how many entries did you get in uh, to be part of the program last year, and, and what were your criteria for for selecting? Um, I won't say winners, but but uh, the, the companies that you chose to to showcase.
3: Well, it is quite subjective. We're very open about that uh, because we do not characterize it as a uh, as a contest or a competition. You know, this isn't sort of idols. It's not that kind of thing at all. Um, so because really, we, we select six. Uh, that's how many we have room for, and really. The- the criteria, the main criteria for selection is that we want to find companies that it would be interesting to our delegates, you know, who are showing something new and are doing something within an African context that would be interesting for the CIOs and senior people coming to uh, coming to the event. The minimal criteria is just, you know, that it is an African company, you know, less than 50 million rand of turnover, uh, you have a product which is in at least beta phase if not production phase with a, a, at least two, um, and it is B2B. That is another consideration. So uh, the people who come to our events, you know, they're the large banks, the large governments, you know, we also get some mid-sized companies as well. Um, But they wouldn't be interested if it was a, you know, a purely B2C, a dating site or something like that. Yeah, there really isn't much that they can do with that.
2: And in terms of the entries that you you received last year, and obviously you you may have had a few this year already, I mean,
3: overall quality, are you you relatively impressed by, by what you see? It really does go very far, I mean, and it's interesting to talk about quality. It it, it does uh, vary qu- quite far. Certainly, there are a lot of people that applied that really weren't interesting to our audience, you know, or wouldn't really be able to connect. So that wasn't necessarily something uh, that that was going to go forward, you know. But the interesting, you know, but certainly the the, the level of interest in uh, in some of the different payment systems, things that people are doing with drones, um, you know, being able, you know, other ways of being able to consume and and, and provide services, whether it's uh, delivery or data analysis, you know. I think those are really some of the more interesting kinds of things, and I think also interesting is particularly getting it within an African context. So being able to work in areas of uh, of low bandwidth, for example, um, you know some of the the, the very specific requirements of, uh, of of whether you're working, you know, because I really do understand that there's a, a very different world if you're sitting in Santon or if you're off in one of the smaller communities. You know, very different type of experience in terms of how you work with uh, uh, technology. So some of the products are really aimed at those kind of things. You know. That, That's really what caught my interest.
2: Somebody somebody who I know who works in the startup area as a mentor and runs an incubation program described um, the African scene to me as, as what he'd learned over the last few years was that this isn't really a B2C market yet. You know, the, the strength of the market for startups is in B2B solutions. I mean, would you agree with that?
3: Well, I think that it is, a, well, certainly if you, you know, follow the money is one of the uh, elements, of one of the advice uh, that goes for many startups. And, you know, you can, the, the trouble with consumer is, yes, there certainly is money there, but you have to immediately go to a very large scale. And that's one, of the, that's one of the barriers, you know, kind of going from, you know, zero to an awful lot of users. You know, that's a very big kind of a jump to take. Um, I always get suspicious when I see pitches that say, well, all I need to do is get half the population to download my app. You know, and once they do that, we're, you know, we're set. And it's like, well, yeah, you would be, but that's a huge, you know, step to get over. And in the, B2, the B2B market, you know, that, that actually is easier because you get people that are will, a little bit more willing to pay, you know, will, a little bit more willing to go and, and, and take in some of the, uh, uh, go into some longer types of relationships. Um, so I think that there is a, uh, definitely there's a great opportunity. And the opportunity is going to come from lots of different areas. You know, uh, some of the ones I've spoken to that uh, are looking at areas of like being able to franchise, you know, be able to t- take technology into the, some of the smaller communities uh, to you know, to sell for a few rand uh, uh, network access or be able to charge your phone. You know, you know creating some of those ki- uh, kinds of opportunities. Again, that's not really the one that a lot, the type of thing that a lot of our customers at the event necessarily are, are, are going to be looking for. You know, but I think it, it certainly does create a lot of really great opportunities.
2: And obviously, I mean, it is a great opportunity to to, to go to the Gartner Symposium and and, and present your idea to to people who have wallets full of money. What does Gartner get out of this? I mean, is this is this part of a, of you being able to keep tabs on what's happening and get a good overview of the, of the kinds of businesses that are that are emerging out of African markets at the moment?
3: Well, people generally come, when they subscribe to Gartner, they become a Gartner client. They're looking to get, find out and get advice about the, the global trends that are going on within IT and business, um, and that's and that's really is what we're known for, and that's all, often also what uh, what symposium really delivers. We don't do as well a lot of the very local. Kinds of activities. You know, I live in Amsterdam. I come regularly to South Africa, but I do not consider myself, in by no means, a real expert on the on the market. And that was one of the things that we heard from clients is that they also wanted to hear what was coming uh, going on locally. So the first driver is we want to meet the needs of our clients. Who, yes, they understand that we're going to talk about what's going on globally and how they can apply it locally. We're doing that very well. You know, but they also want to know about what's happening here. So that was really the primary, uh, really the primary goal. At the same time, we're also looking to get, you know, exactly as you. Said, we're looking to be able to keep in touch. Of you know, how are things different? You know, what are what are what different types of possibilities are going to come within an African context of, with some, with some of these startups? Um, you know, as well as just you know, be able to give perhaps some of them a leg up and be able to take some of these interesting ideas and do something good with them.
2: I mean, do, do you think? I mean, one thing that strikes me at the moment is is that there, there is a a really big opportunity for South African um, startups again, particularly in the B two B space. To take advantage of the the current currency problems, I mean, we we can sell overseas, and and with the rand the way it is, it, it, it works in our favor. If you're a software developer, do you, do you see people doing that? Are people taking advantage of, of that yet? Or?
3: I haven't seen a huge amount of that. I mean, I, I certainly notice it personally. It's just a very good time to come to South Africa as uh, someone who lives in Europe, um, you know. But that's a you know from a very, uh, a very particular perspective. I mean, but I think there are those opportunities. I mean, we have begun to see some more where it's focusing on some local production. You know, that's another kind of thing. When it becomes very expensive to import anything because of the the currency issues, it becomes easier to talk about uh, local production. So means that are going to be matching up some local service providers. You know whether it's a um, a kind of a procurement system or a bid system. I've seen a couple uh, uh, a couple uh, entrants are looking at, the, at some of those kind of issues. I think the next phase is going to be able to say to take some of the services and apply them internationally. And I think that is uh, again that's a difficult you know you know, step to go a you know, step to. Take take, you know, to be able to get that kind of scale, um, you know, but I think that definitely does o- offer opportunities, so whether it's going to be access to a lot of the skills and a lot of the, you know, a lot of the opportunities within South Africa, even beyond the borders.
2: And and, and I know this isn't necessarily or be, but, but in terms of money coming into the country, I mean, are people interested in investing in Africa again now that the currency sort of declined a bit, or is there still a lot of reservation about... How are they going to get their returns out? Are there going to be any returns with low growth rates?
3: I think that the people who know what they're doing, you know, I think there they are continuing to find the right opportunities. I think the people that only know what they read in the Financial Times, you know, they may be more reticent. That's, you know. not, that's not
2: Barclays, is it?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't possibly
2: comment. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, and so, and so, just to wrap up then. Um, aspiring innovators how do people apply to take part
3: the easiest way is an email that has a bit of a corporate cv that talks about your id idea why you think that you are an aspiring innovator that can be sent to aspiring at uh, gartner.co.za you could also go to the gartner.co.za website there's more information about symposium and about this particular program
2: fantastic um jeffrey thank you very much for your time
3: thank you thank you And we're back. I know you missed
0: us. No offense to Adam, but I know you missed us. Come on. Um, Now, Mr. Charlie Fripp, it's your turn. Tell us what you're going to be talking about. Tell the class what your topic of discussion is. Tell
4: the class. Well, on on Wednesday, um, was it Wednesday? Yeah, Wednesday or Thursday, Discovery updated their... Terms and conditions, if you want to, if you want to call it that, on the way that people earn
0: vitality points. Do You want to just uh, explain what these points are?
4: Yeah the the vitality points. Um, it's points that you earn for certain activities, for hitting certain goals, uh, like hiking five kilometers or cycling for ten kilometers. Um, then you would get points allocated for that um, activity, and with those points, you can get. Uh, like free cappuccinos or free smoothies or something Uh, and there's all kinds of rewards
0: attached to that obviously the more points you have the bigger the rewards you have yeah because they're uh, uh, because they deal with people's lifestyles and health they want want you to be healthy because that will uh, you know, work into their business strategy, so they're trying to reward you
4: exactly. Yeah. And it's and it's the same with the Apple Watch um, promotion as well, where the more you exercise, the less you pay for the watch per month. Um, if you don't exercise, you pay two hundred and fifty, and then it has a sliding scale downwards. The more you exercise, up to the point where the watch is actually free. Um, But what has happened, or what we speculate has happened, is that people have tried to game the system, and we would assume um, successfully game the system so that they would still get the maximum points for activities without doing those activities. And um, the analogy that I used in the um, article—we don't know if it is true or not. It was just (laughs) a funny, funny way that I could explain it. Was that. Let's say you attach like a Fitbit or something onto Fido and you let Fido run in the park. Fido will clock five kilometers while you're just waiting for him to come
0: back. Oh, you're sitting on a bench having a cheeseburger.
4: You're sitting on a bench having a cheeseburger, smoking your cigarette, and then Fido will clock five case for you. You'll get the points and everybody's happy. Or so you would think. But now Discovery has obviously updated their... Um, points, rewards, allocation, how it is allocated. And to overcome issues like Fido and Fifi doing the work for you, um, it has now attached an updated heart rate chart to that. So obviously your heart rate needs to be consistent with the activity that you're doing. Because if you, as, as, as a dumb example, if you say that you cycled 30 kilometers and your heart rate Was three hundred and fifty? That's physically impossible. You would be dead.
0: (laughs) Yes, you know. Or Uh, if your heart rate does not ensure Superman. No, for the
4: for the same amount, you know, if if your tracker says that you ran five kilometers and your heart rate was ninety, that's obviously also a little bit of a fib. Um, So it seems like the company just wants to even things out, just to make it more um, concise and have a. I suppose you could call it a two-factor yeah,
0: verification. I, was just, I was just going to say that yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a qualifier for your exercise.
4: Yes, so th- they've updated their system so that they can actually um, track two metrics with one another and compare them and say, right, this is the heart rate range that you should be in according to your age for a certain activity, and then if you are within that range, yes, then you'll get the maximum points. But there's also a very, very other important thing that they've done. Um from the 2nd of April, um, oh, well, obviously there's a host of, of fitness trackers and d- devices like Fitbit and Jawbone and things that you can use to do that. But from the 2nd of April, Discovery um, announced that they will no longer support the Adidas, MyCoach, Moves, RunKeeper, Strava, uh, MapMyFitness, and Timex as recognized apps or devices. Um, and it said that members will no longer receive points if they track their activities with them. Them. and it seems to be that those devices might have been the the biggest culprits
0: um or could it also be that they don't track heart rate
4: yeah, it's, it's uh, let me just have a quick look here. They do give an explanation. They say that um, those specific devices that I mentioned either do not distinguish between third-party data or self-reported data. Self-reported data is where you physically go into the app and you tell it, I ran 5K today, uh, but if okay. you didn't, then there's no way of, of actually verifying that. Or utilize an, unreli- uh, an unreliable integration. Yeah, so they... they, they don't distinguish between that. Um, these apps compromise the accuracy and verifiability, verifiability, I always struggle with that word, of the fitness data we receive, so we will no longer allocate vitality fitness points for using these apps from the 2nd of April. Um, obviously, there are some apps and devices that are um, recognized, that are still recognized. Those are like the Fitbit, Garmin, Jawbone, um, the Polar devices, Yeah, so it seems like people try to game the system, and I don't want to say they got caught out, but they they ruined it for everybody else. They ruined it for everybody else, and it seems like Discovery had to tighten a little bit Mm. on that. But the big story for us was that some of the devices will no longer be um, accepted by by Vitality. And it's actually really sad that a a handful of people can spoil it for everybody else. But I suppose, you know, when money is involved to a degree, uh, money in the sense where I mentioned earlier, the Apple Watch, the more that you um, work out or run, the less you pay, you know. But also…
1: doesn't the Vitality system also track and make sure that, like, if you're if you're keeping up a nice health regime, or whatever, does not also decrease your premiums that you pay every month? Um,
4: I don't know. I okay. I am with vi- oh, I'm not with it. I am I'm with Discovery, but I'm not with Vitality because okay. my legs haven't seen a gym in five <laughs> years. So I, d- I don't know. From okay. um, Brett would know from that point because Brett um, obviously, as if you've listened to the podcast, like in forever, you would know that Brett is. An avid cyclist, um, so he should. Know. Okay, he should know. I think it might, but yeah, I don't know. To me,
1: it's. But I just mean, really... you also save money. You also get like discounts on yeah, you do. No, and all that sort of stuff.
4: That is that is the thing. Um, it's it's really cool. But it, for me, the sad part is that a few people just completely screwed it up for the rest of the bunch who legitimately do their daily exercise, go about their own business, track their own things. And then, you know, five or six people who decided that Fido was a better runner than they are. And now they just screwed it for everybody else.
1: Shame on
0: you people that did that. Shame on you. you. Shame on you Fido. (laughs) Uh, A lot of (laughs) bad FIDO. Yeah. A lot of people's problem uh, with this is twofold. That's a, maybe their preferred Apple piece of hardware doesn't, uh, isn't accepted anymore. And B, Maybe their piece of hardware or software doesn't record heart rate, so now they need to find one.
4: Yeah, that is. Um, we've seen a lot of people online complaining about the fact, specifically the Apple um, uh, the, the the Apple Watch promotion, um, because vita- or Discovery's Vitality. They've also halved some of the allocated points. Um, So where you would have instead got 600 points on the previous or up to uh, 2nd of April, you would receive 600 points for a certain activity. Now you'll only get 300 points for an activity. So it kind of halved everything for that. And... A lot of people are uh, upset about it. They kind of feel cheated because, you know, they said they signed a contract um, that you need to hit these specific goals or you need to hit these points in order to pay a certain amount. And now you need to work harder because of other people to do
0: that. And also, it's a a big problem when you're signing a contract because a lot of times, I think like 99% of the time, there's always a clause that says we can change these whenever we want, given a a fair cause or something. Like it's not saying, okay, you need to run uh, 30,000 kilometers to get a point. They're just going to defend themselves. Uh, I I assume they're going to say this is fair. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Definitely. It's it's
4: people should always read the fine print because I can I can almost guarantee you that y- you know you are right. There is something at the bottom that will say that terms and conditions might change without any uh, notice, yeah. without any, any future notice.
0: Well, they have given notice. Uh, yeah. decent yeah. no- well. exactly. uh, about a month's worth.
4: Yeah, so they have given notice and th- you, you'll you find it in almost every contract where it says terms and conditions could change at any time. Yeah. Um, if you're not happy with it, they will usually, I don't know if it's in the same case as, as this, but they might give you an exit clause saying that we have updated our T's and C's. If you are not happy with it, you can back out now. I don't know if that's going to be the case.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, unintentionally uh, just from what we've discussed today this has turned into a consumer advice <laughs> <No>. uh, podcast. <laughs> so everybody um, we're going to have to wrap it up now um, if you want to read any of the articles we mentioned uh, for the third time I think I've mentioned it <laughs> just scroll down you can click over there for myself for HTXT Africa for Brendan cheerio for Charlie
2: cheers
0: and myself Clinton we will see you again next
2: week goodbye